This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 283. So today is Sunday, October 23rd, 2022. And as usual, I'm covering the news and rumor stories that caught my eye for this past week. First up, 1950s Photo Studio is a perfectly preserved time capsule. E. Chambre Hardman was a prominent British photographer in the 20th century. His career started in the 1920s and stretched into the 1970s. However, what makes Hardman particularly noteworthy is his photo studio remains preserved and visitors can even tour the place where thousands of portraits were taken. Hardman's home studio in Liverpool, England, where he worked along with his talented wife, Margaret Mills, still has his photo equipment, studio, and darkroom in the house where he lived and eventually died. The remarkable tourist attraction operated by the National Trust is the only known example of an intact 20th century photographic studio in Britain and possibly unique in the wider world. Found in the house are massive 8x10 large format cameras. However, these are thought to be largely for show, and Hardman did most of his work on medium format 6x7 cameras that let the photographer take two images per slide. Hardman's studio was considered upmarket, and his prices reflected this. His standard fee was $5.50, whoa, 5.5.0 uh, guineas. That's 234 in today's money. For that, the client would get a photo sitting and two finished portraits in any size up to nine by seven inches. Hardman would go the extra mile to ensure his sitters looked their best, separating him from the cheaper studio uh, photo studio competitors. That means hair and makeup before entering a studio as well as post-processing in the darkroom. Wayward locks of hair could be edited out, for example. Masking is a term photographers associate with Photoshop, but hanging in Hardman's darkroom was an actual mask used to emphasize or understate certain elements in a photo while printing in the darkroom. Hardman's wife, Margaret Mills, was said to be exceptionally talented in the darkroom. Mills became his business partner and photographic companion. Despite earning a living as a portrait photographer, Hardman was most passionate about landscape photography. His most famous photo, the birth of the Arc Royale, became the most reproduced photograph that illustrated the era of Liverpool's commerce. Hardman moved into his studio in 1948. He had been exceptionally busy during the Second World War with servicemen wanting a family picture to take with them to the front lines. In the mid-1960s, Formerly, studio photography was in decline, and so was Hardman, who retired around this time. Sadly, his wife Mills died of cancer in 1969, and he was left on his own with their photo studio for the next decade, 
struggling with mobility so much that local authorities got involved. A local photo gallery owner witnessed carers stuffing Hardman's negatives into bin bags. Recognizing the historical records being thrown away, he set up a trust in Hardman's name. Eventually, this was transferred to the National Trust, who now operate the house. The Hardman's house, located in Liverpool, England, can be visited on certain days. The website for it can be found at this link in the article in the show notes. So definitely an interesting story, and that's why I wanted to raise it today. And there's a beautiful photograph of Hardman with his Rolleiflex at the tail end of this article, which you can check out in the show notes. I think it's fantastic that the National Trust has preserved his home studio and his equipment. I think this is a wonderful thing. And I was not as familiar with his work. I had heard of him, but didn't know a lot about his work. Um, there's just been a lot of photographers in the earlier part of the 20th century that I had heard of, knew a little bit about, but was not, you know, I didn't have a ton of knowledge on them. So I thought it would be a good article for today's episode. That's why I wanted to include it. Photographer charged by Buffalo after getting too close. A photographer in South Dakota had a close call with a large bison when it charged at him as the man was attempting to take photos. The scary incident took place in Cluster State Par- Custer State Park on September 9th, and the video begins with the photographer carrying his DSLR casually walking down the road close to the bison. As beast and man lock eyes, the buffalo charges toward the photographer who scurries away just as the bison draws near, the camera cuts away. The camera person who is filming from the car then turns the lens back on the scene to find the buffalo walking back to its young. The unfazed photographer simply walks back to a vantage spot, holds up his camera to his eye, and starts taking photos of the majestic buffalo. Throughout the 30-second clip, a voiceover is heard urging tourists and photographers to steer well clear of the bison. Quote, Okay, guys, I can't point this out enough. Please do not go outside to the buffalo. Stay in your car. A buffalo is a large, dangerous animal. They will attack you if you go near the bison or the buffaloes, the voiceover says. Quote, please do not try to get near those animals. Let them have their peace. The clip which was shared by viral video agency Newsflare in USA Today, is just the latest in a string of incidents where photographers get too close to wild animals. Last week, Petapixel reported on an eager cameraman getting too close to a bull elk who charged to him in a clear message that the antler-wearing beast did not want him so close. The animals in these videos are not attacking humans per se, more expressing their unhappiness that their space is being encroached upon. It goes without saying that it is important to respect animals. A couple of cases this summer highlighted the horrible consequences when humans do not honor the rights of animals. Freya, the walrus, a well-known and much-loved animal, was euthanized by Norwegian authorities after the friendly walrus had been deemed a threat to humans. The Norwegians blamed the public, who ignored warnings not to get too close to her, often with small children to pose for photographs. Other reports showed people swimming with the walrus, throwing things at her and surrounding her in large numbers. Another sad case came in Ireland when two tourists accidentally killed a seal pup when they tried to take a selfie with it. 
People that pick up seal pups for selfies risk them being rejected by their mothers or placing them in a situation they're unable to get out of. So keep that in mind, folks. You're not a National Geographic photographer. Leave the animals alone. Oscar Barnack, the father of 35mm photography. Few technical achievements have changed not only their field, but also the way our world works. The Gutenberg printing press, for example, revolutionized how we communicate and in doing so changed the course of history. The advent of the 35mm film camera had a similar effect. Imagine a world without today's cameras and the last century of photography impossible thanks to Oscar Barnack. By making photography portable, fast, and of reliable, high quality, Barnack's invention made history visible in the form of photos from the 1913 to the present. The art of photography gained from the simplicity of use compared to the bulky glass plates of before. Storytelling and photojournalism, which possessed the power to change minds and overthrow regimes, found their power in 35-millimeter film. The benefits to civilization are too numerous to consider. Barnack's prototype 35-millimeter film camera became the first Leica camera, which quickly inspired an industry. Other 35-millimeter cameras appeared. A new, innovative generation of photographers emerged. The world as we know it was unveiled. When Barnack was born in Germany in uh, 1879, quality cameras resembled boxes the size of a milk crate. Lenses extended on bellows like an accordion, and the photographer often hid under a cloth to make an exposure. Glass plates coated with a light-sensitive emulsion served as, quote, film and they proved incredibly heavy and fragile. The whole setup seems ridiculous today, but pre-Barnack, they were the best photographic method available. Due to their cumbersome nature, glass plate cameras made it hard to photograph street scenes and distant landscapes. Photographers couldn't just stop, press the shutter, and move on. Portraits looked, and were, staged. In Barnack's early years, Kodak began pioneering consumer photography, launching the original Kodak camera in 1888 with flexible roll film. The folding pocket camera in 1897, and then the brownie camera in 1900 to bring snapshot photography to the masses. While these cameras brought the joy of photography to ordinary consumers through mass market cameras, they left something to be desired in the area of quality both of the camera build and of the resulting photos. By the time Barnack began his career at the turn of the 20th century, a parallel genre had gathered popular attention. Cinema quickly pushed photography aside in the eyes of the masses, and this moving picture application brought Barnack toward his photographic breakthrough. Barnack had already been experimenting with cinema film when he began working for Ernst Lights II at the Lights factory in Wetzlar, Germany. When not applying his mastery of precision mechanics to microscopes, Lights at that time was the world's largest manufacturer of microscopes and also specialized in hunting rifle scopes, Barnack built himself a cinema camera. 
Unlike still photography cameras of the day, cinema cameras used film instead of glass. Thanks to this, Barnack's cinema camera was smaller and lighter than a glass plate behemoth. While it lights, his mind kept working on side projects. While Ernst Lights II noticed and encouraged, uh, which Lights noticed and encouraged, I'm sorry. By 1913, Barnack had news to record in his working shop. Workshop journal, I'm sorry. Lilliput camera for sin film completed. Lilliput refers to the diminutive people in Jonathan Swift's book, Gulliver's Travels. Barnack's prototype soon named the UR Leica, UR meaning primitive or earliest, was the first practical 35 millimeter camera. Incomparably smaller and lighter than the contemporary glass plate camera, it was about the size of a modern Leica M camera, which still resembles the UR Leica in form. Barnack's invention relied on cinema film, which was far more affordable than glass plates, but he turned the film horizontal, horizontally and created a now ubiquitous 24 by 36 millimeter frame size. Film allowed for more benefits than a departure from the haft and fragility of glass. With film, a photographer could now take multiple photos in a matter of seconds rather than having to expose individual glass plates. Enlargers allowed photographers to make large prints from the small yet finely detailed negatives. Crucial to the quality of this process, however, was the premium lens. After World War I postponed the development of Barnack's 35mm camera, Ernst Leitz II moved forward with the project. He commissioned a master lens designer, Max Barrick, to fashion a lens specifically for the new camera. A 50mm lens proved to be optimal for the 24 by 36 millimeter format. This lens would become the Leica Elmar. In 1923, Lights produced 23 Leica Zero Series cameras, which had a fixed 50mm f3.5 lens. The following year, with Germany in the throes of a deep recession, Ernst Lights II feared losing his employees for lack of work. Against the will of his advisors, Lights decided to keep his factory going with the production of Barnack's new camera. Quote, my decision is final, we'll take the risk, Lights declared. Released at the Leipzig Spring Fair in 1925, the Leica, also called the Leica A, began to impress photographers. The name Leica, a combination of the words lights camera, soon earned its reputation for quality. It was robust, discreet, reliable, and easily carried. Amateurs began buying the camera, and professionals like Eric Solomon, Robert Kappa, and Henry Cartier-Bresson soon caught on. By 1933, Lights had sold 100,000 of its new Leica cameras, and the world had its first commercially successful 35mm camera. While older photographers avoided Barnack's invention, the young crowd embraced it. Leica quickly became popular with the new generation of artists and photojournalists influenced by avant-garde styles like the Baharis movement. Other companies soon copied the Leica, and the 35mm film camera market was born. Innovations like the single-lens reflex camera helped evolve Barnack's creation further. But if we consider the photography that happened before and after the UR Leica, it's clear that photography as we know it rests in large part on the merits of Barnack's design. 
Thanks to its minimal size and weight, the 35-millimeter camera followed photographers into the streets, into war zones and remote landscapes, and even into the air. The images that define the 20th century, including those made with medium-format cameras like a Hasselblad, owe their existence to Oscar Barnack's innovative thinking. Barnack made such a contribution to photography in part because he himself was a photographer, one impetuous for the development of a compact, portable camera originated in Barnack's own struggle with glass plate cameras. Living in Wetzlar, Barnack liked to cover the city and its vicinity with his then-standard massive camera, but he also suffered from a lung ailment that regularly sent him to sanitariums. Lugging around a glass plate camera did no service to his weak lungs, so the prospect of a handheld camera preloaded with plenty of exposures appealed to Barnack on a personal, not just a mechanical level. Barnack used his own UR Leica, which set a record in 2022 for the most expensive camera ever auctioned. To pursue his interest in street portraiture, landscape, and reportage photography, he recorded the 1920 floods in Wetzlar with the prototype UR Leica, a work now credited as the first reported series made with a 35mm camera. Such an easily transported and deployed camera permitted Barnack to document humanity's relationship with nature. In honor of his achievements as a photographer and inventor, Leica created the Oscar Barnack Award in 1979, a century after Barnack's birth. Entries for the award explore this human nature question that Barnack himself pursued. In 1984, Oscar Barnack was inducted into the International Photography Hall of Fame and Museum. Just over a century after Barnack's untimely death in 1936, caused by pneumonia, photography turned away from film and into digital sensors. Yet Bardak's influence remains, even though most photographers have not learned to recognize it. Today's DSLR and mirrorless cameras remain extremely portable and dependable. Compact cameras from companies like Fuji and Leica still show a direct lineage to the UR Leica. Full-frame digital sensors follow the same 24 by 36 millimeter format of Barnack's first camera. Even the latest iteration of a Leica film camera, the MP, is based on the legendary Leica M3, which itself began with the Leica 1 back in 1925. It becomes impossible to consider photography as we know it without the visionary influence of Oscar Barnack. The dominance of the 35mm film camera and all subsequent cameras it has inspired proves that the format is the most applicable and enduring so far. The last century of media and arts would not exist today without Barnack's Lilliputin camera. Stories wouldn't be shared with such wordless ease. The beauty of real life and all of its glam and grit would remain unseen. And very, very few of us would even bother with photography if it required hauling a glass plate camera from place to place. Even critics of Leica can acknowledge the fundamental contribution of lights engineer Oscar Barnack, the master mechanic who gave us modern photography.
And I thought this was a good news story to include in this week's article, uh, episode because probably most of you didn't realize that this gentleman is the father of 35 millimeter photography. He is the gentleman that created modern photography back when he worked for Leica in the early 1900s. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have the world of photography that we all know and love today. Photo of Gorilla Family's tender moment wins the 2022 Africa in Focus contest. A moving photo of a newborn gorilla's older brother touching its head has won the top prize in the 2022 Wilderness Safaris Africa in Focus Photo Awards. Tomasz uh, Spilla from Poland was awarded the 2022 Wilderness Photographer of the Year for his image titled Touch. Capturing the moment, a seven-day-old mountain gorilla is tenderly touched by his much older brother. The gorillas are members of the Shangi group found in the windy, impenetrable forest in Uganda. The birth of the mountain gorillas is an important issue, both for the family group and for the entire population of this species. Uh, the photographer wins an all-expenses-paid eight-night safari for two people. He can choose out of three wilderness classic camps in Botswana, Zambia, or Zimbabwe. The top prize also includes a private photographic guide, international flights to the destination country, as well as charter flights to the camps. The total value of the overall prize is approximately $20,000. A stunning photo of the Milky Way Galaxy by Flora uh, Kretschbaumer won the African landscape category, taking full advantage of the lack of light pollution in the Keechman's Shoop Nambia, and a black and white portrait of a young girl belonging to the Ibori tribe in the Omo Valley, Ethiopia, won the people category. Uh, the coveted people's choice category was decided by 5,600 votes cast by the public, went to uh, Giovanna Oferorio for her photo of a mother and child in Indonesia, Omo Valley, Ethiopia. The African wildlife winning photo was taken by Thomas Vigian, who captured a lion apparently messing with its prey in the Mesa Miara, Kenya. The conservation title went to Blair Eastwood from Australia, who captured a Temenic uh, pangolin clutching a vet's arm for warmth. That's a nice shot. The poor creature had been poached, but had been intercepted as a person attempted to smuggle it through an airport. Sadly, the pangolin was severely malnourished and had its long claws ripped out. It died a few days after the photo was taken. The Young Wilderness Safaris Photographer of the Year went to Gabriella Potgeiter, uh, who captured a monkey enjoying a snack from the forest floor. This year was the sixth iteration of the Wilderness Safaris in Africa and Focus photo competition and was in partnership with OM System. Quote, the 2022 Wilderness Photographic Competition garnered so many wonderful entries across the continent from majestic landscapes to gentle and fierce moments in nature and vibrant communities. It was a pleasure to have had the opportunity to delve into the photographs and the special moments captured 
uh, enthuses uh, Michael uh, Scrivana, OM Systems Ambassador and Competition Judge. Quote, we are thrilled that the sixth edition of the Africa and Focus Photographic Competition with OM System was such a great success in showcasing our iconic Africa. With all proceeds from the competition directly benefiting CITW, we are already looking forward to planning our 2023 photographic competition and continuing our positive impact facilitating sustainable conservation through education in Africa, noted Amanda Wilson, Wilderness Partnerships VP. For more information and to find out about the 2023 com uh, competition, you can check out their website, which you can find in this article in the show notes for this episode. And with that, I'm going to take a short break and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. All right. Now we'll head on over to Canon Rumors. Firmware Canon releases a minor update to version 1.6.2 for the Canon EOS 1DX Mark III. Canon released this new firmware. It's a pretty minor update, but a recommended one. Firmware version 1.6.2 incorporates the following fixes. One, Fixes an issue that, in rare cases, displays an error code 70 after the camera has been connected to a network for a prolonged period of time. Two, fixes other minor issues. You can download this new firmware update at the official Canon website, which you can find the link in this article in the show notes. And I am disappointed, as you remember, I mentioned on the show a while back, that the original owner of Canon Rumors sold the site off. And I was worried about where the site was going to go after the change of ownership. And it hasn't been looking good. There's been quite a few weeks lately where Canon Rumors has been lucky if they have one story for an entire week, such as this week. So now we'll head on over to Nikon Rumors. New firmware updates released for the Nikon Z50, Z6, and Z7 cameras. Nikon released new firmware updates for these three mirrorless cameras, the Z50, the Z6, and the Z7. The Nikon Z50 firmware update version 2.30, save focus position and recall focus position have been added to the roles that can be assigned using custom setting F2 custom control shooting in the custom settings menu. As of October 20th, 2022, these options were supported with the following lenses. The Nikkor Z 70-200 f2.8 VRS, the Nikkor Z 100-400mm f4.5-5.6 VRS, the Nikkor Z 400mm f2.8 TC VRS, the Nikkor Z 400mm f4.5 VRS, and the Nikkor Z 800mm f6.3 VRS. 
The behavior of autofocus during memory recall has been improved to ensure that the focus position will not change in any focus mode, even if the shutter release button is pressed halfway while focus recall is in progress. During remote photography with the ML-L7, the camera will now focus with every shot taken with the AFC selected for focus mode. If release is chosen for custom setting, A1 AFC priority selection in the custom settings menu. Fixed an issue that sometimes resulted in the settings selected for custom setting F2 custom control shooting in the custom setting menu not performing as expected in user settings modes. The Nikon Z6 firmware update version 3.50 is all of the same items as in the previous firmware for the Z50, with the exception that the last item fixed the following issue, the settings selected for flash control, wireless flash options in the photo shooting menu, would sometimes change from optical radio AWL to optical AWL when an SB500 flash unit was used with a wireless remote controller. The Nikkor Z7 firmware update version 3.5.0 has all of the same updates as the firmware for the Nikon Z6 firmware version 3.5.0, so I won't bore you by reading them all off again. The latest Nikon rebates for October, over 40 cameras and lenses are on sale. The October Nikon rebates are starting. There should be over 40 cameras and lenses listed with, quote, instant savings. Some of the listings may take longer to update. You can find these sales at Adorama, Amazon, B&H Photo, Pulse Photo, and Service Photo. And it is quite a bit of items that are on sale. Let me read off the list to you. For Nikkor Z lenses, the Nikkor Z 28mm f2.8 was $296.95, now $276.95, instant savings of $20. The Nikkor Z 40mm f2, $296.95 to $276.95, a $20 savings. The Nikkor Z 50 f1.8 S was $626.95, now $526.95 for $100 off. The Nikkor Z MC 50mm f2.8 was $646.95, now $596.95 for $50 off. The Nikkor Z 85mm f1.8 S was $796.95, now $696.95 or $100 off. The Nikkor Z 35mm f1.4 S is $846.95, down to $696.95 or $150 off. The Nikkor Z 24 to 200 millimeter f4 to 6.3 VR was 896.95, now 796.95 for $100 off. The Nikkor Z 24 millimeter f1.8 S was 996.95, is now 896.95 for $100 off. The Nikkor Z 20 millimeter f1.8 S was 1046.95, is now 946.95 or $100 off. The Nikkor Z MC 105mm f2.8 BRS was $1,046.95, now $946.95 or $100 off. The Nikkor Z 28-75mm f2.8 was $1,196.95, is now $896.95 or $300 off. The Nikkor Z 14-30 f4S was $1,346.95, is now $1,146.95, or $200 off. The Nikkor Z 50mm f1.2S 
was $2,096.95 is now $1,896.95 or $200 off. The Nikkor Z24-70 F2.8 S was $2,396.95 is now $2,096.95 or $300 off. The Nikkor Z14-24 F2.8 S was $2,496.95 is now $2,296.95 or $200 off. And the Nikkor Z70-200 F2.8 VRS Normally, $26.96.95 is now $23.96.95 or $300 off. So there's some significant savings. If you've been waiting to pull the trigger on any of that Z-mount glass, you might want to do it now to save yourself some money. And now we'll head on over to Fuji Rumors and see what Patrick has for us. Answered, Fujifilm X-T5 will come in black and silver. When I asked what you'd like to know about the Fujifilm X-T5, there were quite some guys asking me if it would come in black and silver. Many of you asked me also privately via email or social media. And I can see why you asked me this. Fujifilm is offering the Fujifilm X-H2 and X-H2S in black. When they launched the Fujifilm X-T3 WW, it also came just in black. And even the X-T4 Silver started to get discontinued. It all looked like Fuji was giving up on the silver color, but not with the Fujifilm X-T5. If you like your X-T color in silver, then according to our sources, you can rest assured that the Fujifilm X-T5 will be offered in black and silver. Now, free, feel free to let us know in the survey down below which, which color you prefer. I personally own a black as well as the silver XT camera. I'd be happy with either color. Maybe the silver color gives a bit more of a vintage touch. But with all the black versions, it looks so sexy as well. I guess I am one of those who would be happy with both cameras, and I will struggle until the last minute before I place my XT5 pre-order. So if you vote in the poll, you can choose silver, black, or I have no preference. And for me, I did buy my two X-T4s in black only, but I do like the black and silver look because it is a little more retro and vintage in appearance. But maybe that's just me. Although I don't think so, because it seems that a lot of people like the black and silver look on their Fujifilm cameras. Fujifilm X-T5 will not shoot 8K video. Yes, the Fujifilm X-T5 will have a 40 megapixel sensor, and yes, the Fujifilm X-H2 with the same sensor can shoot 8K video. But according to our sources, the Fujifilm X-T5 will not be able to record 8K video. I guess most of us in the market for an X-T5 will not care about 8K on the X-T5, but I might be wrong, so feel free to vote in the survey down below. Do you care about 8K on the Fujifilm X-T5? Yes, I would love to have it. No, I don't care. Or I don't know. And for me personally, I don't really care. I still shoot all of my videos in 4K and then convert them, sample them down to 1080p for my YouTube channel, just because I don't really think 4K is that big a deal. I mean, look at it. 4K has been around for quite a while. And the majority of YouTube videos are still done in 1080p because most people just really don't care. And 4K takes up a lot of disk space, takes a lot of processing power to post-process. Eh, 
To me, it's just not worth the hassle. Now, I did want to also let you know that the rumor is the Fujifilm X-T5 will sell for the same price as the X-T4, $1,695. So that is definitely some good news if you're thinking about picking up the X-T5 when it's released in November. First leak leaked Sony A7R5 image. This is the first image I can publish from the Sony A7R5 that will be announced on October 26th. All we can learn from this image are, one, the image posted by other websites showing a dial on the top left are fake. I keep telling you this for weeks now. Two, the 4K and steady shot mark that was on top of the A7R5 or R4 are gone. Three, the only major thing we learned from the image is that it uses a fully articulating screen. You can see this on the very left mount point of the screen. Uh, confirms a Sony A7R5 spec summary, 61 megapixel sensor, 50% chance. This is the new BSI sensor with better light gathering performance. New Bionez Z XR processor. Totally new autofocus system with AI deep learning, 8K 24P cropped, 4K 60P, 4K 24P full readout, heat sink design of the Sony A7S 3 up to 30 minute 8K recording without overheating, S Syntone is available, 8 stops, IBIS, new pixel shift function with movement correction, fully articulating LCD screen, Body looks like a mix between the Sony A7S 3 and the Sony A7 A7R5 pre-order pack uh, page will be up on these links at B&H Photo and Photo Koch. Now, this is coming from Sony Alpha Rumors. And as I've warned you before, take the rumors from this site with a grain of salt because his accuracy track record is not all that great. And last up for this episode, new Rotolite Neo 3 Pro and AEOS 2 Pro launched on Indiegogo. Uh, these new uh, uh, speed lights, I guess you could call them, are launched now on Indiegogo. You can check them out at the link in this article in the show notes. They currently have uh, 69 backers and they're at 59,739 euros. And there's some more Kickstarter projects as well. There's a YouTube video for these new lights, the Roto Lights. And there's also a New York-based company that launched their most compact three-in-one travel tripod on Kickstarter. Starter, and the new Maven magnetic filter is selling very well on Kickstarter as well. Now, keep in mind, as I've warned you many times before, Indiegogo and Kickstarter are crowdfunding sites. They are not online stores. So if you pledge your money, there is a chance you could lose your money and never receive the product. So you have been warned. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. 
I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 283 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, comment on them, like them, share them out on social media and elsewhere. Hit the little bell icon so you can be notified when new content drops. I will be doing a review of the Arsenal 2 that will be posting on there in the very near future. So make sure you hit that bell icon. And I will see you all again on Thursday.